Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And today we are going to talk about scary clowns in honor of the movie It, which comes out on the day of the release of this podcast, if you're listening real time. Well, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if it was planned. I know. Mm. By the movie producers of It. Yeah. They're like, let's launch when Guides to the Unknown is releasing their Scary Clowns episode. Yeah, it didn't then happen. we'll be able to ride that sweet Guide to the Unknown wave to success. As awesome as it would be if like New Line reached out to us yeah. to try to coordinate something, which they didn't. No. It would be even better <laughs> if they were like, well, we've got to make sure that we ride the wave of popularity of a new <laughs> yeah. Guide to the Unknown coming out. Right. So let's time this thing right, people. Okay, September 6th, let's do it. Yeah. 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 That did not happen. But before we dig in, we're going to talk about something that very cool that was sent to us by a listener. Yes. Uh, Luke. Luke, mm-hmm. who works for Prop Store, which you can find at propstore.com, yep. sent us the live auction uh, guide. Yeah. So it's a movie. Uh, it's a catalog. It's a catalog. It's But it's also like, it's kind of like a a, a museum that you can just yes. like flip through. There's information yes. about each one of these items. Right. Prop Store deals in like movie memorabilia. And so uh, uh, Luke sent us uh, this this awesome catalog of all the items that are actually up for auction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we went through a bunch of them uh, and marked a few that we think are particularly of note mm-hmm. to Guide to the Unknown listeners. Uh, these are things that you can actually get. Uh, uh, I can gawk at them in this book and be like, oh right. my God, can you imagine? Yes, exactly. It's uh, very, very cool to just flip through and like read little anecdotes about the items and stuff. So Will, what do you have for us that stood out to us? Let's start right here. Yeah. This is a big one. This yes. is like one of the most famous things that's ever been in a movie ever. I was shocked to see it. And by the way, the, the in this book, the, the photography? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, this is like, to call it a book is accurate. So yes. it's technically a catalog because you can technically shop from it. But it's ba- it's this like uh, inch and a half thick, like nice paper, pretty well laid out. And the pictures yeah. are incredible. Right. And so there you can see mm-hmm. that is Jack Torrance's axe from yeah. the movie The Shining. Yeah. It is the actual axe. It has been maintained and kept in good condition for all these years. Right. And it's got this like huge double page spread in here. Yeah. They're like full color pictures, nice glossy. It's it's a whole to do. It's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, very cool. Let's just flip to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I marked a few. Oh, yeah. This one I thought was pretty neat. Yeah. This is like a, kind of a little thing, but like it's just really interesting and different yeah i like that that's what they use it's the clapperboard for jaws so, like you know, just for fun they kind of make it this way yeah so you know like they would go like scene three take one action and like they would clap this board mm-hmm. to, to like sync the audio and everything right and uh they used instead of having like the flat clapperboard at the top they've got this jagged you know like a shark's teeth mm-hmm. at the top of that clapperboard Especially as somebody who like likes things that are black and white, I looked at that. Yeah, right, was red. and also that's kind of cool to see in this because that's not something that you would normally know about, like other movie movie memorabilia. Like you right. know about Jack's axe from sure. The Shining and stuff, and a lot of these other things, and they're still cool. But like, I didn't know that they used a, cl- a fun clapperboard just for the fun of it, just for themselves. Yeah, it's just for the, the production, scenes. exactly. So yeah. you find some kind of cool behind the scenesy stuff in this. Exactly. Yeah, it's not like that ever appeared like on screen. Right, and I wouldn't know that if Luke didn't send us this. So it was very cool cool and fun. And then the last thing that uh, uh, we're going to show off here. Oh, my God. It is one of the traps from Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. An actual Ghostbuster trap. And it opens and closes. And then also, oh, my God. This is part of a section of just Ghostbusters stuff. Yeah. And I noticed also (laughs) that you can see uh, here there's a bag of actual... Stay Puft Marshmallows. And they're looking great. I know. They're all brown. (laughs) They're all brown. They're from 1984. Maybe they've been toasted a little bit. This is a bag of marshmallows. They're actual marshmallows. Stay Puft Marshmallows. Stay Puft even when toasted. Right. From 1984. So one could posit that those are toasted and they're just everlasting (laughs) marshmallows. Uh, That's why they're brown. Exactly. Uh, No, it's super cool. I've been flipping through this thing as a fan of like movies and as a fan of, quite frankly... Like, not just watching movies, but the idea of making them. Oh, yeah. It's really cool to see, like, really, like, high-def photos. Right. Of just, like, famous stuff 
across decades of film. There's a huge Star Wars section in yeah. here. Yeah, it's very it's a very diverse selection. Big and Jurassic I want to say, section. like Luke, just kind of from us talking about movies and things like that, he knows that we're kind of movie dorks and we yeah. would like this kind of thing. This isn't like an ad or a sponsored anything. No. Luke just like nicely reached out to us and was like, "Hey, I work with this company. I think there's gonna be stuff in here that you guys might want to see, might geek out about. Like, would you want to see this catalog and look through it?" And we're like, "Hell yeah, we'll take a look at the catalog." Yeah, Luke, and you then, were correct. <laughs> yeah, he was absolutely correct. So we're telling you about it. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. go check out uh, uh, some of this stuff for yourself. Go to propstore.com. Yeah, it's super cool. Super cool. And yeah, thanks again, Luke. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. This really has been fun to look through. So thank you. It's rad. Yeah. Uh, there you go. There you go. And now let's get into the clown stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you dig into Pennywise the Dancing Clown, yep. I decided to uh, uh, take it upon myself to look up, because quite frankly, I did some research of things and I came across a term that I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. cholrophobia, which is the fear of clowns. Okay. Some people refer to it as bozophobia. Okay. So I thought we might take Colloquially. A, exactly. Yeah. I thought we might take a quick brief look at mm-hmm. uh, what this sort of, you know, there are phobias yeah, of all kinds of things. What is the origin of, of bozophobia, cholrophobia, yeah. and get some facts here. Cool. Uh, first of all, cholrophobia might be a combination of, well, phobia, of course, mm-hmm. is fear of. Yep. You have that all the time. Uh, but the cholro seems like it might come from ancient Greek kolobathristes, hmm. which means one who goes on stilts. Oh, weird. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They didn't have a word for clown. Yeah, right. So, so they had to kind of like on stilts. get yeah. there eventually. But yeah, one who goes on stilts. Interesting. I mean, and, that was early clowning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go up on stilts and be like, whoa, whoa. Sure. Like well, you can't balance. Yeah. I found, um, oh, man, it, it's like really interesting. I don't remember if they get into this exact point in here. I don't think they do. But the idea of like um, being afraid of clowns and, and like the idea of clowns being evil is not a new thing, really. Yeah. The idea of a prankster, mm-hmm. somebody who causes mischief. Yeah. Mary Trickster. You know, goes back like thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, but so Low-key. I. Yeah, the trickster god. He's a trickster god. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a website, callrophobiafacts.com. Oh. I'll have the link in the show notes. It's hard That's to spell. That's probably a nightmare for somebody who has it. I went to the website. There's like a thing of balloons in the corner. <laughs> well, somebody's just trying to like learn more about their condition. And their face was like, ha, ha. Yeah, I know. They're actually um, like... On the website, it is very sort of like open-minded about people who have the condition, but I did think, I was like, what are they going to put on here? And balloons are a good yeah. subtle one, but it's still, I feel like, would Yeah, but I feel like that's, a, the, exactly, it's like a harbinger of clown to come. Yeah. So here's what they say on that website. Uh, Since it is not an old phobia, but one that increased in recent decades, little is known about cholerophobia. Scientists and doctors now agree that it is a result of not knowing who lies behind the excessive makeup, red nose, and hair color. The clown wears a colorful makeup to deconstruct the facial features to create a new identity. And clowns can also break social norms. Their mask makes them able to do things that others can't do socially, like interacting with unknown people at ease. Some researchers believe that cholerophobia cases increased after the 90s when Steven Spielberg's classic horror film, It, depicting... Stephen King's. Yeah, they wrote Spielberg. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's funny. Depicting a murderous clown was released and the portrayal of the Joker as an evil character in Batman movies did not help matters either. There's also a page for treatment. Here's a Mm -hmm. quote from the treatment page. Unfortunately, there is no cure for clown phobia. Oh, God. <laughs> That's it. It's not like, it's not like, unfortunately, there is no cure, but we find yada, yada, yada. No, to there's, be I, 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 I cherry picked a quote. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff on the page about like exposure therapy and stuff, but I did yeah. think clicking over to treatment and unfortunately, there is no cure. Like, oh. It made me laugh. Okay. Well, it just made me laugh. Yeah. But there you go. Callrophobiafacts.com. Like now, you claim to have had callrophobia. No, I never have felt like it was a phobia. Like, it was never, like, that deeply ingrained and serious. Yeah. But I hated clowns. The closest thing that I can equate it to is my reaction to them was akin to seeing something very gory. Like, I would feel the same way, where if if there would be something on screen that would really gross you out, that's how I felt looking at a clown. I was just like, ugh, gross. Like, I didn't like looking at them. Sure. It made me, like, a little sick. 
I just didn't like it. So when I would watch movies and stuff, th- I mean, it's exactly like with gore. I still do this today with gory stuff. I don't like gore really. So when it's happening, I kind of look at something a little, <laughs> a little to the side of screen. I don't really feel the need to be like about yeah. this stuff, but I just want to like, I, I guess I want to be looking just far away enough that I don't have to see it, but be able to come back quickly so I can just watch what I'm watching again. And that's what I did with clowns forever when they were on things. I would, I would just kind of like be like looking away or just like kind of blur my eyes a little bit. And then when I can tell they're gone, I just like go back to it. Um, I would say that I kind of cured my clown thing. I still don't, I still don't like them, but I used to really, it was probably partially just psychological. It. Like I, I would just be like, Nope. Like when they would like come on or something. I started essentially self-driven um, exposure therapy. I remember you doing that around the time of the most recent It movie. Yeah. It was it was pretty recent. It was only like a couple of years ago. Well, I can I can definitely tell you when it was because I after everything happened, we've we've met, we've referenced it on the show before a little bit, but Will and I and our family had like a horrendous uh period of mo- well, like a year in 2016. Yeah. Um, our dad got really sick and was like, just, it was like a horrendous period of being in the hospital and like being on the edge of stuff. And then in the midst of that, our sister was killed by a drunk driver and really bringing it down. But a little bit after that, there was something where I was gonna, <laughs> so dumb, I was gonna be seeing a clown or something. Or, or <laughs> I know I'm out. gonna be seeing a clown soon. I actually, I, it might have been that Sarah was talking to me about watching the 1990 miniseries It. Oh, okay. Like the movie wasn't out yet, but it wasn't that far away from it. And like, I, it's funny, I, I don't have that many like beam from sky moments where I had a change kind of thing, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of avoiding clowns. This yeah. is a pain in my ass. Like, not a huge problem. I was like, this is annoying. It's just stupid. I'm not going to take like, this anymore. Kind of. And I was like, I've been through enough scary stuff. Yeah. Like, life is too short. I'll probably be fine looking at clowns or whatever. So then, just, they come up more than you would think. If you're freaked out by them, you notice it. But, like, if you don't care, you don't notice it. They come up kind of a lot-ish in life. So I would seriously, even if it was... I don't think they ever in car commercials, but let's say there's a car commercial with a clown. Even that, I just had trained myself to like, nope, not looking at that or whatever. I just started looking at them. Fellas, I got it. I know how we're going to move these Jeeps. Come in, Bonko. Here we go. Can't wait. Honk, honk. That's the car horn. I just started looking at them. Yeah. I didn't like it at first, but I got used to it. Oh, I, still bravo. I still don't like them. Bravissimo. Thank you. But I don't really have a problem with them anymore. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well done. So yeah, I didn't quite have colorophobia or whatever, yeah. but didn't I had a distaste that ran to the extreme, I would say. Okay. Yeah. All right. But <laughs> <laughs> a distaste that ran to the extreme. That I think was prompted by Clarabelle. From oh. um from Howdy Doody. Howdy Doody. Yeah. That's yeah. a scary clown. Clarabelle, yeah. We have a video. I think that might still give me a flutter if I saw it. It's Maybe. just like, Bleh. We have a video on uh, YouTube.com slash TalkBomb called Clarabelle the Nightmare Clown. Yeah. Uh, which is from an old VHS tape that I that we have. Yes. Somewhere here. Like Howdy Doody's 50th birthday. <laughs> right. And it's the time. Every child's favorite tape. We used to watch it constantly. I know. It's so weird. And Clarabelle only spoke through honking a horn. Mm-hmm. And then in this 50th anniversary special, he was finally going to speak for the first time. Yeah, he gathered his strength. And the camera pushes in on Clarabelle's face. And they they put in this like. Yeah, it's like a low. Um, What do you call that with the drums? Yeah, um, like a. What do you call it? Drum roll. Drum, drum roll. roll. It's like this very low. like Yeah. And Clarabelle's like nervous and like trying to pull it's himself together. Creepy. He goes, Goodbye, kids. Ugh. In a soft little voice. Yeah, I still don't like it. So I put it up as Clarabelle the Nightmare Clown, mm-hmm. and it got like thousands of views, and a bunch of the comments were like, This moment made me cry when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm afraid of your childhood right. like nostalgic moment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's freaky yeah. and uncomfortable. I really think that's where it started. I think I did not like that, and I just associated it. Yeah, yeah. But Mr. Pennywise, I would say, was what was my uh, my first long form introduction to clowns as an adult who has rejected their past fear of them. Because Sarah and yeah. I did watch the 1990 miniseries It, starring Tim Curry as Pennywise, and I was fine. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think I eased into it a little bit. It's hard to explain. Even saying eased it makes it sound like I was like sweating or something. Sure. But like, I think I was just like, I don't really like this. And I just kind of got used to it or whatever. I wonder if it might have even helped that it was Tim Curry. 
it, William, it totally did. He's it, such a larger than life personality, and exactly his voice right. is very distinct. I remember Sarah and I talking about that because yeah. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to watch it, whatever. And she's like, but it's Tim Curry, and it's so obviously Tim Curry, and I love Tim Curry, so I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. So that could ease me in. So yeah, and it was totally fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to talk about Pennywise as a whole, and something that you and I briefly talked about. The So Pennywise introduces himself with the name Bob Gray a couple of times. I am fascinated by that. I have some theories that work off of some information that I'd never seen before. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, they, it, I don't want to oversell it, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I decided to kind of divide this up in the things that I knew slash remembered off the top of my head about Pennywise, and then going into seeing how right that is and expanding on it. So I'm okay. gonna tell you the things that I could remember off the top of my head, like what's Pennywise? I remembered obviously that he is the dancing clown who's supposed to live in the sewers under Derry, Maine in Stephen King's book, It. So that's the broad thing, just in case anybody doesn't know or whatever. Obviously, off the top, I remember he's played by Tim Curry in that miniseries. He's played by Bill Skarsgård in the newer movies from 2017 and 2019. Um, I remembered that he comes out to feed every 27 years mm -hmm. and that he likes to scare his prey because it makes them tastier. Fear floods the body and salts the meat, he yeah. says. Blech. Um, I remember that its true form isn't a clown exactly. It's just kind of its default favorite form, basically. Right. So it can appear as the thing that's scariest to the object of its attention at the time, such as I remembered a werewolf wearing a letterman jacket. Oh, my God. Yeah. In, in the book and in the, what is it, 80s or 90s miniseries? Uh, yeah. I think it's in the miniseries. Yeah. He, he shows up as a werewolf. Mm -hmm. There was a whole thing with Pennywise where he was supposed to have something to do with the original Universal Monsters, mm -hmm. and so he shows up as a werewolf. Yeah. I think he only wears a letterman jacket because Stephen King loves the 50s. It's Definitely the reason he's wearing a Letterman jacket. Yeah, so you have a visual image yeah. of like a cool werewolf. David Letterman jacket? Is that what he said? <laughs> no, I said oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be impossible. Um, and I remembered that he sometimes identifies himself with the name Bob Gray. I was, oh, no, excuse me. I wrote he identifies himself with the name Robert Gray. Okay. To spoil things, I had to later correct myself. He's yeah. Bob Gray, Bob and Gray. I was being overly formal. It's such like in a, my memory. Um, it's so weird, but like Bob Gray. Like I feel like the way that he even says it, he's like, I'm Bob Gray. Yeah, it's very definitive. And it's very blue collar uh -huh. in a strange way. It's sort of dressed down. Bob instead of Robert. Yeah. It, I don't know. There's something about it that makes me think of like a car mechanic. Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. And it it's to... It's a very straightforward, not flowery name. Yeah. Meat and potatoes kind of yeah. guy. Bob Gray. Yeah. I'm Bob Gray. And it made me almost think that it was to even uh, decrease the idea of him as a threat at all. Why? I'm just an average Joe. I'm Bob Gray. It could be. I think that's a good thought. Um, and then I was thinking about his weaknesses. Like for some reason that off the top was what occurred to me rather than like the crazy things he can do. Um, I thought, and I'm incorrect, I remembered him as being defeated by the kids in the book um, by the act of love okay. in a gross way um, because all of the oh. kids have sex in the book It. Right. Well, I should say Beverly has sex with each of the boys because God forbid <laughs> boys. I know, yeah, exactly. But whatever. <laughs> They one at a time. It's so, it's dumb anyway. But like, it's, even if you're gonna do that, must must we keep it so hetero? I just think it's very lame. It's in every way. A baffling, one of the most baffling yes. creator decisions. Yes, that is actually. It's not how they defeat it. That's how they escape the sewer. Right. So that's what I said. That's what I remembered first. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. That that wasn't necessary. No. That <laughs> is to bring unity to their group. And symbolize their transition to adulthood after having fought this monster. You know, gang, I'm afraid that might have been unnecessary. <laughs> like, what? That, that is shocking. Shocking. And lame. Yes. I do want to say saying. that on top of all the reasons why that's controversial. Right, right. It's children all like having sex with like the one girl. Right. On, on top of the reasons why that is uh, sort of like perverse, mm -hmm. this is also a really lame yes. decision to have made. I couldn't agree with you more. It's very dorky. It's dorky. Like, what? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is like a thousand pages long. That actually, I didn't write that down, but I, I will point that out as well. It's not really a fact about Pennywise the Clown, but I detest 
test the book it we reviewed it on our I old podcast it. book club schmook club yeah. you can go listen to it mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll post a link this week i don't even remember what we said in it yeah um but it was like it was like a long hard road for me to even convince Kristen to read the book for that show well totally because i still was like not about clowns so that's yeah. strike one and then i was aware of how long it was oh, so and long. how hit and miss stephen king is for me yeah. and it ended up being i really hated it gigantic book there are things from that book that like haunt me that because bother of, me because they because st- they stink no, that are like upsetting. Oh, that are upsetting. There's so many upsetting things. Yeah, there in are the things book. that just like will like pop into my mind, like anxiety thoughts. I'm just yeah. like, oh god, like I wish I hadn't read it. He's I really the, hate it. He's like the king of horror mm-hmm. and the king of lame stuff. Yeah. And the king of things that just make you feel bad. Like just like not even gross just you horror, out. like upsetting yeah. dark, dark, dark human stuff. Which I can see an argument for that being impressive, sure. but I don't need that. I, I have my own dark stuff. I don't need things like <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> no, thanks, Mr. King. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hate it. Occupado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need your hangups. Someone's in here. I've got mine. Yeah. Um, so that obviously really stands out to me. <laughs> it's the worst. The worst. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I also remembered vaguely that as adults, when they go back, when they're you know when they go back to Derry, that they go underground and they find its true form, which is a giant spider, and beat the crap out of it. Yeah. But then I also could remember that it was defeated by the kids calling its bluff and not being scared of him, which weakens him, so they can beat the crap out of him in the 2017 movie. I just kind of had these disparate. Yeah, images. they're all sort of like they're projections of some ideas of things that happen. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'm going to break down exactly how he's defeated in the movie, uh, in the book, the miniseries, and the movie cool. at each of the showdowns. So I'll go into it. But those are just the little things that I thought to myself, what do I think of when I think of Pennywise? Those are those things. So now let's go into a little bit of fact checking. And I use the stephenking.fandom.com slash wiki website um, for almost all of this stuff. It's like very expansive very well organized, a great wiki, a great wiki. (laughs) (laughs) So it is true that it feeds every 27 years, but it's not just like clockwork. I had kind of thought that like when 27 years is up, like it's time to eat, it comes back up. Sometimes it's prompted by something evil, kind of like enticing it awake. Yeah. So the kids find that out by basically like tracking child disappearances, like cross-referencing them with catastrophic events in Derry's history. And they found things like a man murdering his family, a guy murdering a ton of people at a bar, a building exploding and killing a ton of people, including kids doing an Easter egg hunt, and white supremacists burning down a nightclub that catered to black people. There were lots of child disappearances around that time. Okay. So it seems like um, it would kind of come up and be like, ooh, perfect. There's like a ton of tragedy and scared stuff going on right now. I can like, there are plenty of salted people all ready to go and feast on all of that stuff and then go back down. Um, there are witness reports that the kids found at some of these scenes of weirdos that sound very Pennywise-esque. So somebody will say that they saw a comical sort of fella around when something happened. Um, somebody mentioned seeing a, a clown dressed in farmer's clothes or a giant bird with balloons on its wings. Oh. So Pennywise really loves the clown shtick. That definitely is his or its default. It's like bread and butter. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had seen something about Pennywise particularly going after kids because they're more easily scared and because Pennywise works in such a visual medium, basically, and kids are going to respond to that better than adults, maybe. Okay. Um. I think I would still freak the hell out at any know, of these that's, things. That's so strange. There are but, some things about Pennywise that I think are really cool concepts. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, to me, Stephen King is just like a guy that has a million and one really awesome ideas yeah. that are then executed to varying yes, degrees. Yes, varying degrees of success. But Pennywise I find really interesting, and I think one of the reasons why is because there is a really sort of like give and take malleable r- rule set to mm-hmm. him. I think it's a weird thing that the reason why he wants to scare you is to salt the meat. Yes. And that his goal is to salt your meat and then eat you, but also he feeds off of the evil that people do. 
or is provoked by it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like everything you just talked about, like all those inciting, well, wonder, like miserable events. I wonder if those events stoke a lot of fear and he can sense that. So if we're going with salting the meat, maybe that's like smelling delicious meat. And he's like, ooh, something's going on up there. This is going to be really good. And it like wakes him up like, you know, like Pepe yeah. Le Pew flying on a yeah, cloud yeah, of fumes cloud. or something. Yeah. It's funny that he like at the same time, like it, he's also presented as needing humans to carry out some of his evil deeds for him. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes he himself attacks. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what the difference is between those I things. Know. I guess maybe it's maybe it's simple like laziness. Uh, maybe yeah. It's like sometimes he's like in a mood to kind of play with people and have them do his bidding. And other times he wants to like get his hands dirty or something. I guess he feels unmotivated. Yeah. Only needing to eat is not a very compelling thing to me. Right. And that's his only thing. His two modes are eat and sleep. It's just that in order to eat, he has to scare. It's only connected to feeding. But he, but the thing is like, is it nice to have salt on your food? Yeah. But you don't need it. Right. He seems to need it, but right. he describes it as something that I relate as like a preference. A preference. Yeah, that's and true. And how do you decide when there's enough salt on your meat? Well, here's the there's thing. There's also such a thing as oversalting. I think that he can be sated with like a concentration of fear or whatever, because I also saw things about those events, and there's some others, the things in dairy that happened. Um, him going back into hibernation right away. Right. So it's almost like there was something so horrible that he got his fill just from that, that one event as opposed to his... Um, I, I saw somewhere that it said that he kind of had a standard like year-long feeding. Like he comes out and oh. about for a year and goes to town and then goes back in. But if there's something like this building collapsing and a ton of children dying and stuff, like the fear is so potent then that I guess it equals that year of... Feasting. All right, that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's something worth like really examining. It was weird. It wasn't that absolute. I don't have the quote, but it was it was like he, you know, sometimes will feed for a year. It didn't seem like a hard and fast rule the way that I'm explaining it. Like it's no, a year yeah. unless. No, yes, that but, makes sense. Now yeah. he sounds like a vessel that needs to be filled. Yes, I think that there's a certain line that needs to be hit. Basically. And so you could essentially almost treat him like an old god, which I think is some of Stephen King's idea of him. Yes, it is. He's supposed to be kind of like an eldritch. So oddly, if we did every 27 years mm-hmm. a big sacrifice to Pennywise, true, we might not have to deal with Pennywise. That's a good point. Right? That's a good point if the people got wise. But then you're Pennywise. negating the feet. Pennywise, pound short. But then you're negating the fear part, maybe. But does he care well, about the hunter? He just cares about how salted the flesh is. If we find a way to kill people through fear, we're in good shape. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess if like you form a mob onto an unsuspecting person, so sure. there's a ton of fear in them, then I guess that might take care of it. That's true, but I think that, I, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I would work. You see what I'm saying? No, I totally see what you're saying. I'm I'm wondering out loud if there's anything about that that wouldn't work for him. Yeah. Like as far as like uh, satiation and yeah. like the salt of the meat and the fear and everything like that. Like I wonder if that takes away some of the thrill or something. That, Maybe. I I feel like it wouldn't do the trick. I think it theoretically would if he's like a vessel that needs to be filled. But there is something about him that seems like. He is enjoying the process of of the fear. Yeah, but he can also be hurt. And so there's a calculated risk. By Mm -hmm. him having to do the hunting himself, he opens himself back up to attack from people like the Losers Club. Maybe that's how he gets his jollies. Maybe. He does seem to like to get his jollies. He does seem like a jolly fellow. So maybe, yeah. So maybe he he likes the huh, huh, huh of it a little bit. maybe. But I like that idea. That is that is right? true. It's kind of interesting. Like maybe like in ancient times, that's what right. people did. But now we view those people as having been uncultured. Yeah. And as a result of having changed to our modern ways, where we don't sacrifice people. We get hunted periodically. Yeah, that's true. You know, although that's kind of a fun interpretation. That's my newest. That's going to be the thing that I hold on to now. Well, here's the that's thing, my though. New interpretation of Pennywise. he he can mind control people, sort of like the yeah. town of Derry forgets that these things happen and doesn't really react to like all these children going missing and right. all those things. Yeah. So he could theoretically just make them bring him scary stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. See, now I'm back to being like, what is this? I know. What is it's, he? It's weird. It's very amorphous, which I think that could be, 
I can see why that's useful because if the lines are barely there, then you can kind of do anything. Yeah. But at the same time, it does take a little something away from it because you don't know exactly what the rules are, and the rules can be so useful in horror. You know what? Like you know, blurring those lines can also make you nervous and off kilter. But when it's something where it's like, well, is it this? Is it that? Is it defeatable? Yeah. Like, is it invincible? Does it like this? Does it even care? It. I think it takes a little something away from it. Although, does it? Because we're having fun discussing it. It's fun to discuss. Yeah. I think it would be different if Pennywise was never defined. And I think he is defined. And that, I think, is what gives me issues. because well, he's, by, he's defined so loosely. He's Well, kind of. Mm-hmm. He's so, we know certain things as facts that right. you just described. Every 27 years, uh, he likes to salt the meat. He can do mind control stuff. Uh, he he finds the thing that you're most afraid of. Mm-hmm. Those are like some of the building blocks of Pennywise. Mm-hmm. But then each one of those things can be like, well, but not really because he does this sometimes. Right. Not really because he does that sometimes. Mm-hmm. If they just were like, we don't know what he is. Right. We don't know what he is and sometimes he does this stuff, but it's always presented as if those are facts. Yeah, that's what's more frustrating. If it was just, we just don't know, that's right. one thing. But it's like, we know, but... Yeah. I always find myself comparing him to Freddy Krueger. I mm-hmm. can't not. I think that it makes a ton of sense. Why don't you explain that a little bit? So Freddy Krueger is also a sort of like mythical type monster that presents uh, your worst fear back at you and attacks you through it. Uh, he can shape shift. He is a joker. He's a jester type. Um, and there are even like odd uh, sort of um, uh, industry um, parallels between them. Yeah. Freddy Krueger was the first like thing that New Line did, New Line Cinema. And uh, New Line Cinema was known as the house that Freddy built because the Nightmare on Elm Street series was so profitable. They made tons of them. Mm-hmm. New Line is also the production house that makes these new It movies. Right. Um, and uh, uh, I've always felt like Freddy Krueger is uh, so the same but better mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the way that his rules are defined. If you're asleep, he can get you. If you're awake, he can't. In the dream world, he has complete control of everything. He might toy with you because he's sadistic. Uh, He was a serial killer in life that became a dream demon guy in death. And he is usually going to find your weak spot and kill you through it. Are you afraid of bugs? He's going to turn you into a giant bug and then step on you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, it's it's kind of simple and stupid, but like it's funny that if you're afraid of bugs, he doesn't swarm you with bugs. He turns you into a bug. I think that is something that happened. To be perfectly fair. Oh no! Oh no! I am what I was I've afraid become of. That which I fear. <laughs> Which could be empowering. A bug like pontificating about <laughs> like existential crises. Isn't that basically that book that <laughs> I'm going to both sound smart and then take it right away. Albert Camus book, The Stranger or whatever. Doesn't he like turn into a bug? Are you thinking about Franz Kafka? I was about to say it's Kafka. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're close. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think it probably was playing off of that too. <laughs> but like, I like the idea that Freddy Krueger is like, you know where you stand with him right. in a way. Yes, totally. And with it, it's like, oh, well, he let me get away again. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> when am I salted enough? It's not like there's a salt meter yeah, he keeps... where you're like, if he gets, if he scares me one more time, I'm going to die. Yeah. With yeah, Freddy Krueger, most of the yeah. time, it's like you go to the dream and, you, and he kills you or right. you manage to escape by waking up. Right. There's a clear safety or danger zone with him. Yes. With it, it's like... Yeah, you don't know his preference. It's up to the whims of Stephen King as a writer of when it's going to let him get... Yeah. You know, Stan. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> totally. And like, he's he is very, very scary, obviously, Penny, Pennywise. But he is, he is also, like, you can't really... He's not so tangible, you know what I mean? It's like you're scared, but I don't know how clear it is that you're in like your life is in danger in those moments or whatever. So that's another thing where it's just like, where are the parameters of this? How, what's going to happen? Where am I? Am I I just going to be very scared? What's What's my status? Yeah, exactly. I can live with being scared, but am I at risk? Am I in danger or are you just freaking me the hell out? Like the stakes are very vague. You have to eat me or. Yeah. But what do you do? <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I end up go- always going like, "What are you? What do you do?" Yes. Also, weird parallel. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1986. A Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to look into which was created first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddy Krueger. That movie started getting written in 1981. Okay. Stephen King says he came up with the idea 
for it in 1978. Okay. Well, you know, it, they could both be true. But Freddy Krueger beat him to the punch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that must have sucked. Honestly, if he noticed those parallels, maybe he didn't. But can you imagine? Well, you can't imagine. Like if somebody, you know, comes yeah. out with something that you've been working on, what a pain in the ass. So yeah. it's kind of good that he's still... He persisted. Yes. I think they're different enough to justify being their own they, things. No, they totally are. But just the feeling of being like, oh. And it is the hot one today. Yes. But I still think that a Freddy, a modern Freddy Krueger could crush. I think it'll probably happen eventually. Yeah. Did that, did the remake do well? It obviously didn't do that well because I didn't keep going. But was it like, it was, was it a critical and commercial flop or what? I don't know. I mean, it was probably made so cheap that I'm sure it made money. Yeah. But it was just so bad. Yeah. Nobody wants to touch that anymore. Yeah. Robert England says that he'd be game to do one more. Okay. Which I think would be interesting. I hope he does. And then, then he even wants he I... wants Kevin Bacon to take over. Oh, that's right. That yeah. that just came out like recently. That was like in the last couple of weeks. From that's right. I remember reading that. Yeah. I hope he does that. Even though that's not a franchise I've like gotten into. I like the idea of people revisiting stuff like that. Like really like trippy the original and stuff. And yeah, I think yeah, that's for awesome. Sure. Um, so I, I mentioned it in the things that I remembered about it, but it's, so it's form is a little bit confusing. This is definitely not going to be an explanation for like major Stephen King buffs to like latch onto. I'm going to be a little wishy-washy because I didn't feel like getting into the whole thing. So it's true physical form is a giant pregnant spider that came from a parallel universe known as the macroverse. Right. So... It is kind of in league with something called the deadlights, which are essentially this crazy energy that takes different forms and can be used different ways. And it appears as these like orange, like beams of light. Very, very intense. Someone pointed out, I don't remember who, it might have been the Now Playing podcast, mm -hmm. that that is a pun. Oh. And it never occurred to me. And once I noticed it, I find it very annoying. What? Headlights. Deadlights. Is, oh, my God. Isn't that terrible? Wasn't it better when you just thought it was like, what are deadlights? I don't know. It's these lights on them. But once you start going like, look into my deadlights, and you think of the headlights. That's also dead on. Like, that makes complete sense because Stephen King loves cars. Yep. Something cool that I interpreted incorrectly made worse by learning what it really is. Yeah, because deadlights dead is like a, a dorky but kind of cool, fun name. Like, oh, I, I like that. I thought it was that. creepy and unknowable. Yeah. Deadlights? Deadlights. It's, well, I guess... Reading as dead lights is a little bit different than dead lights sure. for some reason. So dead lights, I was like, okay, that's one of those like weird kingisms, but like I'm kind of into it. Dead lights, the way you just said it, does sound cool. Yeah. Um, but dead lights, headlights is a rough one. That's a rough one. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough one. So I want to get into the Bob Gray thing now. Oh, great. So like we said, he will introduce himself as, as Bob Gray sometimes. Um, and I went formal and called him Robert Gray, but it's Bob. And so it turns out that the serial killer Albert Fish sometimes used Bob Gray as an alias. Oh. So some people wonder if that was an inspiration for Stephen King. Huh. Which is not impossible, honestly. That's very interesting. What mm -hmm. a jerk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was a real jerk. Um, and then let's get into some stuff. Okay. Or could it be that Bob Gray was a real person with a real body that it inhabited as a convenience or something and used their name? Or was Pennywise once a human named Bob Gray and somehow kind of like evolved into this monster? So I did some Googling and I found out that there is a deleted scene from the movie um, where they show Bill Skarsgård not looking like Pennywise at all, looking like a human. Um, that might support the theory that Pennywise was once a human named Bob Gray who somehow turned into this whole deal. Interesting. So he says, and this is a quote, um, from the independent there was a scene we shot that was a flashback from the 1600s before pennywise was pennywise the actor described the scene turned out really really disturbing and i'm not the clown i look more like myself it's very disturbing and sort of a backstory for what it is or where pennywise came from scarsgard added that might be something worth exploring in the second one the idea is is the e, uh, the idea is the it entity was dormant for thousands and thousands of years. The flashback scene hints at that. So then they print a scene from a draft, an early draft of the movie by Gary Doberman, and I actually just want to read it. Sure. Um, because oh, so I think it's very interesting. This. Yeah. And I was curious because Stephen King obviously 
famously hates Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I was I read this and I was like, huh, I wonder if this is kind of sanctioned by King. Like, is he into this? And it didn't end up in the final movie, so it's not totally clear to be like, yeah, he sanctions this scene, but he does love the movie It. So it seems like he's on board with their interpretation of things, yeah. which means that I think it's not a terrible leap to read a little bit of this into the meaning of the whole thing of It and Pennywise. I do know that he also asked them, I think for this most recent one, It Chapter 2, I think he said that he wanted them to shoot a new scene for him. Oh, interesting. So, like, I, I think that he's still adding on to the, mm-hmm. the sort of lore yeah. of Pennywise now. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I also think in the trailer for the new uh, movie, they do show Bill Skarsgård as a farmer I man. know. Right? Like, yes. he, he looks like a normal that, person. He doesn't have, like, the big bulbous right. Pennywise head. That scene at the very end of the most recent, like, final trailer. <sighs> so good. Where he's just going, Wah! It is very good. I'm I'm like excited to see that movie. I'm really excited to see the movie. I Will and I dorked out about the trailer yeah. like a couple of weeks ago on the phone. I think that that most recent trailer, what they call the final trailer for it, is one of the best trailers I've yeah. seen in a while. I love the score of the trailer. I hope that's like the score in the movie. I love his voiceover. Like the thing where I'm not going to do an imitation because it'd be horrible. But when he says like for 27 years, I dreamed of you. I craved you. I've missed you. Yeah. It is so. I've missed you. It is so good. And they like smash cut to his insane face doing that. Like blood running down his eyes. And his eyes are looking in two different directions. Going, right. Whoa. I know. It's I don't. So good. I don't know how his face is doing that. It's incredible. Okay, so that was from that independent article, and we're gonna have the link to that in the show notes. But they found it from Reddit. Somebody kind of dug up this draft of the script, and I'm just gonna read it. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not gonna try to like act act or anything. But I felt like I felt like it was worth reading rather yeah. than me just condensing it because it's pretty cool it has kind of like notes about the way things look and things like that that i thought would be more fun to hear about than me just summarizing sure okay so it says 1637 interior well house knight abigail 19 rushes in and slams the door as if trying to keep satan himself out she clutches her baby to her breast kneels by dying embers in the hearth she blows on them i feel like it's weird that it says mm, like uh apostrophe em whatever in the action yeah She blows on him, but a flame never catches. Her baby starts to fuss. Abigail, hush now, shh, it'll be okay. Or no, it'll be, she stops. Realizes that the small candle chandelier slowly spins above her, as if some unnatural force has caused its lights to rotate around the room, like tiny primitive searchlights. She hears something slithering in the gray shadows by the well. Occasionally, we catch a glimpse of a black silhouette, shifting its shape, as if trying to decide on a form. Abigail continued, please, devil, leave us be. Shape shifts again. A beam of light passes, revealing Pennywise, naked, lithe, flesh pale and translucent. A half-formed imitation of a human opens his maw full of large, razor-sharp teeth, dripping with saliva. As the tin can spins clockwise, not sure what the deal is with that. That might, maybe the chandelier? I yeah, don't know. Maybe. Um, Pennywise moves counter around the room. Each time the light hits his face, it's different. A man, a woman, a beast, a monster. Pennywise, you mistake me, woman. No mere devil. I am the eater of worlds, which I know is from the book. His voice is guttural, unnatural. Abigail, but my child, not my child. He is innocent. Pennywise, so you say. The it's formatted really, really weird. See, it's like yeah. Look, so you say. So you say the baby screams. Like that's not Pennywise saying it. It's the baby screams. Yeah, that that is annoying. So it's a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) just try to go with it. So Pennywise says, "So you say." The baby screams. Pennywise smiles. Pennywise continued. Beautiful fear. Abigail, I pray thee take me. Abigail shuffles back. Pennywise, I will. And then him and thy husband and the rest of thy children and all the savages who brought you here. And when you all rot in the earth, I will pick thy bones dry until no meat is left to pick. And then I will seek out thy bones and consume thy souls until nothing is left but the weeds. Or you will occupy yourself otherwise and not interfere. I will take her, meaning the baby, and you will live, and those of thy other children, in whom I take no interest. And you will thank me, fever and frost did not damn you to the soil. Abigail looks down at her baby again. 
She's shaking, doesn't want to let go. Behind her, the door opens. A little boy, six, asks, Mama? Abigail, no, out, now. Frightened by his mother, the boy runs. Abigail turns back to Pennywise, wherever he may be now in the room. The lights somehow seem to spin faster now. She kisses her baby and sets it down. It bawls. Abigail, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She turns away from the baby, faces those dying embers. We keep on her face as they seem to begin glowing brighter. As over her shoulder, out of focus, Pennywise crawls over to the baby and starts to feast. Sharp cry from the baby cut off as we hear a crunch. Abigail continues to look into the bright orange glow of not the flickering fire, but the dead lights. Her expression changing. Fear, denial, grief, acceptance, and then nothing. Just a glazed look, as if nothing horrific is actually happening behind her. That's interesting. So, what I thought that that kind of suggests is that he, like, remember when, like, Voldemort is, like, a half-baby thing? Yeah. (laughs) Them talking about his skin being, like, pale and translucent Translucent. or whatever. It does make me wonder if this was a person who somehow got mixed up in something either uh, on purpose or something happened to him that's transforming him in some way. And he's becoming... Pennywise from being Bob Gray. See, that makes me think of something that has never been had any form. It's mm-hmm. like the the movie The Thing. Yeah. Or it's just like an alien that is just like trying to learn how to be a person. I would have thought that too. The connecting it to the Bob Gray thing is what makes me wonder if this is an existing person who's maybe like, I don't know, transforming and almost becoming inhuman first. Yeah. Like I'm hang up on it, but the skin being translucent, like Skin is such a human thing. That becoming less of itself seems like something. I also thought that it is worth noting, and it supports the idea of this being something that's formed from nothing, um, as much as it being a human, that he's naked. He's not costumed and penny-wised or anything like that. So it could be he's he's been made from nothing. He's naked. He doesn't have those clothes yet. Or he doesn't have those clothes yet, but was an existing person or something. I don't really know. And then... I noticed and thought it was weird that he was interested in the baby and specifically not interested in the kids that she has. Yeah. See, and that again is where it's like, what are the rules, dude? Well, if this is from like the 1600s. If you only want babies, well, guess what? The Losers Club is like 12. Well, it seems like I think that it's pretty established like in the book and other things that he specifically wants kids. He doesn't really want babies. Right. He wants wants kids. Kids because they're more easily scared or something. So to that point, I was thinking actually a baby isn't like a really primo salted meat thing because they're not really conscious enough to totally understand what's going on. So like they'll obviously cry and be scared and things like that, but you're not going to get the same level. Their brain isn't developed of like psychological fear that it seems like it is after. True. So I was wondering if this is kind of like, it's, it's very, very primal it like learning and trial and erroring or something like that. Like he, he wants a baby because maybe that seems pure or something and to consume that and ruin it is whatever, but like starts, that's not quite right. You know what I mean? But that's interesting. Then that scene to me, I think should be about him like realizing that he wants somebody that can like, like that's like a very, it it feels like what we need to see is Mm -hmm. some sort of a Goldilocks scene. Mm -hmm. Like this one's too hot. This one's too cold. This one's just right. Yes. A mom, a baby, and then sort of like a child and then fine. of like an older age. Right, exactly. You know, like he doesn't want her. He shouldn't want the baby. Mm-hmm. He should want the boy. Yeah. Um, that would make more sense to me. Yeah, totally. That also speaks really to the idea of like, offer me a sacrifice and I'll leave you alone. Yes. Like all yes. the adults, like, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about me at all. Mm-hmm. All I want are your children. Right. And I only want them every 27 years. An entire generation of you can grow up. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just come back and I'll ask for more children. And then yeah. a bunch more of you can grow up. Mm-hmm. And I'll just ask for more children. Yeah. So just keep me happy and you'll be fine. Right. I also like the idea of looking in the deadlights as transferring you through all the stages of grief to something beyond where there's nothing. Yes. So I also was thinking that I wonder if it's basically like some form of the deadlights that keep the adults mind controlled and docile. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's not as explicit as like looking into embers and they turn into the deadlights, but maybe that's, that's the force 
that's keeping adults like not really looking into child disappearances and just yeah. allowing these things to happen in dairy. So I thought that scene was interesting. It like also that. establishes that it is genderless, I think. Uh-huh. Like the fact that he cycles through like a woman, a man, a beast, or whatever. Like this is really just a creature. Yeah, he's nothing. He's yeah. none of these things. He's something completely different. Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess at some point he would have to decide to be a clown. He would have to like pick a thing to look like. Well, that was, I mean, that came up in the Stephen King wiki. It was like he decided to be a clown because of kids liking clowns so you could like lure them in or something like that. But it doesn't totally hold water with me because why is he then like a clown dressed like a farmer? Even when he's a bird, he's got balloons on him. It seems to me like Pennywise just likes clowns. I know. And it's weird too because of the ideas like he's smart enough to know that kids like clowns, but yeah. not smart enough to know that a clown in a sewer is really alarming. Yeah, right. And also... If he had looked like... like if he had changed to look like a repairman yeah. for that moment when Georgie loses his boat. Yes. Right? And there was some sort of a plumber or a construction worker mm-hmm. that's in the sewer. Hi, I'm Bob Gray. Yeah, I'm right. working on the pipes. <laughs> would your balloon come down? Or you, would your boat come down here? Like that would make yeah, because that's normal in your world. You're so he's used both to smart, that. Not a clown in the train. Right. He's both smart and dumb. Yeah, Pennywise is a bunch of stuff and a bunch of contradictory stuff, mm-hmm. and not in a way that makes me like lean into be like right, what be you... like excited and like in a wow, way that this makes is so me complex. go like, huh? Was this not thought through? Exactly, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah, I I totally feel the same way. Um, so let's move on to how he finally gets defeated throughout each of the properties that we are familiar with right now. And to even go into it at all, I have to try to explain something called the ritual of Chud. Oh, God. (laughs) Or Chewed. Chewed, I think. I think there's an umlaut involved. (sighs) Chewed. Okay. So the ritual of Chewed. There is a creature that we become aware of when... So there's a showdown where the Losers Club chases it down to a sewer and then... Bill, who's kind of like the head boss Losers Club, is psychically communicated with by a creature called, uh, what do you think it is, Maturin? Maturin? I think I've always said Maturin. Maturin. That's a turtle. Um, He is also from the Macroverse, like it. And basically, they were both created in the Macroverse, and it is like the force of good, and Maturin is like, excuse me, it is like the force of evil, and Maturin is like the force of good. So there are two halves in this Macroverse. And Maturin communicates to Bill that he needs to enter a psychological battle of wills with it, kind of within the Macroverse. It's taking place psychically kind of in another universe, and that battle is called the Ritual of Chewed. Right. So that plays into pretty much all of the iterations of what happens. So the Losers Club defeats it twice in all these iterations because they meet him. Well, as kids and then as adults. Right. So yeah. they don't fully beat him as kids. But you know what I mean? They, they, they fend him off as yeah. kids. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to go through book, miniseries, and movie. As children, here's how they do it. In the book, Bill defeats him using the ritual of Chewed. He he goes in well not fully but like when they're children yeah yeah he he meets um oh. he meets it in the macroverse they enter a psychological battle of wills and he's able to kind of push him back wow and then you know they get away they have sex and then they get right out of the sewer but that didn't kill I thought the ritual of Chud was what eventually killed him entirely uh let me see that's interesting. Weird. It is, but he they go harder the second time. Okay. It becomes a little bit more physical the second time. Doesn't that feel like it's what you should learn to do it ultimately rather than, like it didn't work the first time, but it... Re- it's it- a little different. Okay. We'll get there. Um, in the miniseries, when they're children, they use its ability to warp their imaginations for good. And they kind of do this in the movie as well a little bit. Um, and I actually think it's very goofy and cartoony, but it's like cool. I think yeah. it's fun. Um, they So they're like, oh, he can make us imagine things and those things become real. We can use that and make stuff happen to him. So they imagine that Eddie's inhaler is full of acid and then like burn his face with it or I whatever. I think the quote is, this is battery acid, you slime. Oh my God. And then they spray him in the face. That always annoyed me. Um, Beverly, I think slingshots, right? Beverly slingshots um, 
silver bullets at it since silver, silver bullets in like lore are supposed to have supernatural abilities where they can like kill werewolves and stuff. And because they believe it, it works. Why not? That's fine for me. Really? Yeah. Why not imagine? In, in the miniseries specifically, for some reason, because that miniseries is so campy and weird. Uh-huh. In the miniseries world, that works fine. Why don't you just pretend and go like, these are 15 rocket launchers. <laughs> like, boom. Yeah, they do like, play small. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're if the imagination what's yeah, to you stop you? may as well you? go really big. Would that have worked? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it would have. I mean, maybe you have to No, I guess it would have. Why don't you just go like not? this is anti-pennywise spray, you slime? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, battery acid. Yeah, battery acid. I know you're totally right. Um, in the movie, when they're kids, Pennywise tries to freak them out by presenting himself as Georgie, but he, sh- uh, but they shoot him because they're like, "You're not Georgie" or whatever. So they like shoot Georgie, Penny, G- Georgie Wise Penny. Um, or no, know. with that bolt thing. Remember they have like a like the thing from um, He Who Am Death or whatever that movie's called. No death, no country for old men. Oh my God, He Who Am Death. I couldn't think of it, but yeah. he has that like um, that like bolt shooter yeah, thing. Don't they yeah. have one of those? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. But they shoot him and they see that he just kind of dissipates because he's not Georgie. Right. And that kind of breaks the spell where they're like, you're not anything that you could really hurt us. You're not you're not scary at all. So they kind of break the that kind of breaks the facade of their fear and they just like go ham on him I remember, until he retreats. I remember Finn Wolfhard being like, You are my friend. I'd do anything for you. And now I'm gonna have to beat this clown to death. And I really enjoyed that. I really, really, really That's liked funny. that. That's really funny. Um, so then their second battle with him where they actually defeat him as adults. Here's what happens. In the book, Bill once again enters into the ritual of Chude. And, uh, he, but this time he makes his way inside its physical body while he's in the macroverse with him during the ritual of Chude. And he crushes its heart with his hands. Oh. So that's what kills it oh. in the book. Then in the miniseries, as adults, Beverly maims it in its spider form with more silver, silver bullets. And then when it's injured, they rip its heart out. Okay. So they decide to abandon the ritual of chewed things. It's like, because. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Attack him. Go. And they, but they still go for the heart. Uh-huh. Kills him. And in the movie, well, we'll just have to see. Yeah, we will have to see. Who knows? That's right. Who knows? Do you think they're going to do the ritual of chewed? Is I don't know how they I don't know. Is James McAvoy going to talk to a big turtle in the sky? I really don't know. I mean, they eliminated the ritual of chewed altogether from the first movie, so it makes me think they're probably going to again. But at right. the same time, you know, maybe they might want to. I no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, no, I don't, I really don't think so. Yeah, you think they're going to do the spider thing? Um, does that? Let me see. I mean, it seems like it appear the spider thing is throughout all of the forms yeah. so yeah i guess i do think that i wonder i get i yeah i guess so i mean i guess they'll go underground to the sewers and then eventually find that or something like that i wonder if they're gonna it have also a big, feels like a movie set piece thing it does i wonder if they're gonna have a big pennywise with eight arms you know like maybe yeah is it, it gonna be a, like spider, a spider but like it's pennywise right in the center as like the yeah. thorax and head yeah because it's it's hard to i remember when I saw it, I think I saw that before I read the book, like saw the miniseries. I think I was like, what the hell? How is there a spider here? I don't understand what just happened. I think it's hard to get to the spider thing without explaining the macroverse and like maturing and stuff like that. If you just said like, maybe the, the, the clown yeah, is not I, his true form. Yeah. Then you true. can just do whatever that's you want. True. Even if you don't explain it. I really don't know. Maybe. I remember it being explained in the book that um he's not even a spider. That's just the closest that the human mind yes. can make sense of him as. Yes, it's specifically his true physical form. Like if he is to be a physical thing, his true form is a spider, but like his main existence is with with not in the physical realm. Right. And then I remember it having uh baby spiders. Mm-hmm. Which made me go like, so he is yeah. a spider. No, they. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I, the, I didn't if include it. There was something where they like realized there were eggs or something in the miniseries. Yes. I think so. They had to do something about it, but I just loved it. Yeah, and and so he's he is a spider, but no, that's yeah. just what he looks like. <laughs> but he had baby spiders, so he is. Right, a so spider. he kind of functions as a spider now. So yeah, 
Well, we're splitting hairs. He's a spider. <laughs> splitting little teeny hairs on yeah, gross teeny, little tiny legs. Spider hairs. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about spiders a lot the last couple of weeks. Spider Gate Cemetery. Yeah. Now it. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah. I frankly don't love a spider. Reuben. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm curious. I've heard uh, also recently that um, there are a lot of rumors that the director of um, these two movies wants to make a supercut of both of them that would be six hours long. Mm -hmm. And that would involve shooting material that has not yet been shot. Really? Yes. Which I find very interesting as sort of like a... Um, right. Yeah, an unprecedented yes, film. Yes, that's totally new. ...thing to do. Yeah, like what would that be? That's cool. You know, a I wonder if that'll happen. You have to get... There's so many moving pieces that you have to get People's schedules, for that. Right. budgets, yeah. For something that's never been done before, so it's kind of like, well, why? I'm sure for a lot of people. Where do you put it? But uh, that's awesome. I guess you just put that on Netflix. Right, I love you that know? as an idea. Really interesting Oh, I idea. hope that happens. I know. I would love more things like that. I want sure. more like weird, experimental filmmaking sorts of things Absolutely. and like yeah. forms and stuff like that like them having that um bandersnatch like choose your own adventure netflix thing right like things are just experimental yeah, for the sake of it stuff. like why not? why not it's fun and exciting there are so many venues for right. these kinds of things now mm -hmm. like uh, uh, uh why not just go for it yeah. Kristen and i just watched um all of twin peaks season three yes in a single sitting yes david lynch supposedly uh, scripted that with Mark Frost and directed it to be an 18 hour long movie mm -hmm. and we decided to go for it on Saturday yep. and it was fascinating it really was and it really felt like that was true yes and the case not just somebody being like really this whole thing is meant to be more of a single piece yeah it wasn't like and blowing like, smoke it turned out to just no. be like, oh yeah this is all one piece there was like one instance of us feeling like something was segmented where they repeated something from a previous episode to catch you up but only one everything one. else completely felt like it was all one piece it yeah. was so cool and so good yeah i would love to see people try stuff like that me too and especially with it it's something that like i think i have as many problems with as um as I have things I enjoy about it. Mm -hmm. And for this to be something to do experimental filmmaking with, I think is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like, you know, like it was turned into a two-part miniseries. Yeah. Uh, it has like all these odd elements of having the children's story and having mm -hmm. the adult story. Yeah. That is so uh, sort of like novel and different. Yeah. Um, the director has also said that he would love to get to do more like It Chapter 3 someday. Hmm. And he feels uh, yeah. like there's a lot in the lore of Pennywise to dig into. Whether right. that means a future story somehow mm -hmm. or going into the past to show more stuff like that farmer right read. will and I, when will and i were geeking about geeking out about the uh, trailer a few weeks ago we also talked about the possibility of there being some sort of prequel i have a theory that bill skarsgård is like a regulation hottie and i find it odd that they hired him and then have kept him in this makeup that makes him unrecognizable. It makes me think that they're like saving him for a rainy day yeah, to have him as himself in something. So I really wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of prequel. I think it would be cool just like they got all those kid actors and then they got all the adult actors now who look so much like the kid actors. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about the trailers when they switch between the kids and adults. It's insane. I know. I would love it if we could find elderly actors mm -hmm. that look like the adult actors. Yeah. Yeah. And then we could have three generations. That is such a cool idea. And have the entire like human experience on film <sighs> fighting a monster. I wish it was a property that I enjoyed more. But I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about, I think it's Merrily We Roll Along. Did you hear about, you know, okay, so you know that movie about a boy that was filmed over like 20 years Boyhood. by, what's his name? Boyhood. Richard Linkletter. Yeah. So did you hear that they're doing, spanning 20 years, this musical? I did hear that. Mm-hmm. I think That's all I got. I don't yeah. know anything else about it. But it, I think it's cool. It's cool. I think it's cool in like concept, but like to me, like film has kind of been doing that for a long time. You know, not all in a single movie, mm -hmm. which I think that is interesting. But yeah. like, I mean, so a couple things. Honestly, we were just talking about having watched Twin Peaks. In Twin Peaks, the the season two of Twin Peaks back in 1991, they say, we'll see you again in 25 years. Yeah. And then they did. They yeah. came back and they did more. And, and a I lot of the mind. performers had passed away in between. Mm -hmm. A lot of the performers that are in season three passed away right after they finished filming. It was very lucky. Yes, big so time. I, I think there's something about uh, setting out now and being like, I'm going to make something that's going to take 20 years to make. Mm -hmm. That's both ambitious and like really tempting fate. It definitely is. Um, and I'm so 
intrigued by film where you can say in um, uh, Twin Peaks flashback to the characters when they were younger mm -hmm. and now it makes you realize like oh my gosh these characters have always been here yeah I yeah. can't believe how long I've been watching them right in Harry Potter they use the fact that those kids grew up on film yes to have like Voldemort give Harry Potter a flashback to like his friends when he was a kid and yeah. it was all emotional and stuff. And as a viewer, it's emotional because you're like, oh my God, Daniel Radcliffe when he was 11 right. versus Daniel Radcliffe when he's 16 now. I can't believe this. Mm -hmm. So I feel like film has We've already- seen it happen. Film and television have been doing that. I think it's ambitious and kind of foolhardy. And uh, I don't know, there's something about it that just feels like, it just gives me an ick factor of like, this could go wrong. It could, but like- you know, I don't think it's worth not executing an idea because of that. You That's know what I mean? true. Like, yeah. might as well try. Sure. If something goes wrong, it goes wrong. But like, I think it's a sweet idea. Yeah. I remember I saw Boyhood. I don't think I liked it that much. I don't really remember. But I love the idea of it. I think that is so interesting. It is a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just, I would love more ideas like this. Combining movies, like wacko ideas. I'm all about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what was a, a wacko idea that two kids had a couple of years ago? Guide to the Unknown. <laughs> and guess what? We did it again, gang. Yeah, you've We're seen at the us, end of another episode. You've seen us grow up on <laughs> film. Yeah, you truly have. We've changed so much. <laughs> We've changed. My hair years. got longer. That's pretty much it. Mine didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, I probably have less hair. Probably. Yeah. Just because yeah. the passage of time. Exactly. But boy, it's so emotional. Yeah. You cool. know what? I need to go... Uh, calm down yeah. <laughs> from this. So why don't we get out of here? Need to go get a hanky. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We hope you learned a thing or two about Pennywise the Dancing Clown, also mm -hmm. known as Bob Gray. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 go check out uh, It Chapter 2. I think I'm going to yeah. try to see it soon. Yeah. I don't know when. I'm going to see it on Monday. I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you can check out all the other Guide to the Unknown stuff we've got going on online. You can That's follow right. at GTTU Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to stay tuned to our spooky world throughout the week. You can go check out patreon.com slash GTTU Pod if you'd like to donate a little something back to us uh, just for your enjoyment of the show. Uh, Kristen and I recently played the brand new Blair Witch game, yep. a video game that was released for PC and Xbox. You can go watch our playthrough of the first half on youtube.com slash talkbomb. Mm -hmm. I then finished the game uh, alone. Chrissy bailed. Yeah. <laughs> she had enough. <laughs> but to go check out that out, that's just like a fun thing we did Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, and go check out our uh, Become Part of the Secret Society mm -hmm. over on facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod That's so that right. you can talk with other people who watch or listen to the show, uh, make some connections, have some fun. Yeah. Go to propstore.com to see some of these awesome movie memorabilia like yeah. images and backgrounds and stuff and check out this book itself. Uh, and you can also talk to Kristen and I individually online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at The Myth Traveler. And also, if you're listening to this the day that comes out, I just did my monthly show, Dearly Departed Pop, last night on YouTube.com slash TalkBomb. So you can go check out the replay there where I talked about the reality show from 2013, Who Done It? And I'm sure we had a great time. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, Dearly Departed Pop. Yeah. At Dearly Departed Pop. That's right. Uh, all right, everybody. We will see you next week for more spooky, scary stuff from across the, uh, the macroverse. But until that time comes, we must travel. Into the macroverse, go we. Ugh. Ew. It's stickier in here than I would have thought. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ew. Bye. Gross. Gross.